what's heaven like? That's a question that's captured the imagination of so many people. And many people have offered their opinions about what heaven is to be like. Friedrich Nietzsche says, in heaven all the interesting people are missing. George R.R. Martin writes, they can keep their heaven. When I die, I'd sooner go to Middle Earth. Henry David Thoreau wrote, heaven is under our feet as well as over our heads. Sam Levinson said, if you die in an elevator, be sure to push the up button. Isaac Asimov wrote, I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. Hank Williams Jr. saying, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. Henry Ward Beecher's last words were, now comes the mystery. And there is much mystery about heaven. But the Bible also gives us some incredible details about what it's to be like and what is that we should expect. And today, as we study this passage, I'm not interested in what other people's opinions are about heaven. I want us to focus today on what God reveals to us in his word. Today, we come to the last sermon in the On the Mountain series, and it's the only place that you would end and on the mountain series, on Mount Zion. It's the place where we will spend forever and ever new heaven and the new earth with our King Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I ask you to stand in honor of God's word if you're able and turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 22, the word of God says, Instead, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. Thank you, you may be seated. Today I want us to examine this gathering on Mount Zion. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 25, 6 through 10, On this mountain the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, a fine vintage wine. On this mountain he'll destroy the burial shroud the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. He'll destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, look, this is our God. We've waited for him and he has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. For the Lord's power will rest on this mountain. So what's it going to be like? As we look at our passage today in the book of Hebrews, the first thing that we see is that this is going to be a place of celebration. Mount Zion is going to be a place where we are celebrating. In verse 22 it says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering. 
If you look in the book of Revelation, Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1, this is what John saw there. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he'll live with them. They'll be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. This will be the heavenly city. It's a place of light and of life. It's a place of health and of goodness. It's a place of righteousness and of holiness. It's a place of beauty and a wonder. It's a place of blessing and of joy. C.S. Lewis said that joy is the serious business of heaven. And that's because there is no pain or suffering. There are no tears or hurts. There is no oppression or injustice. Sin is no more. Death is no more. This is the dwelling place of God. In verse 22 it says, Now you have come to Mount Zion. And that, that, that verb there, you have come, is a perfect tense verb, which means that we are entering into a permanent place, an eternal, lasting, ongoing state. That's what the perfect tense means. So this isn't something that we experience for a moment and then it's snatched away. This isn't some sort of fleeting joy. It's the eternal place of rest for the children of God. And it's going to be a place of worship and of celebration because God is worthy of it. I mean, just hear the descriptions of what the Apostle John saw when he was given just a glimpse of heaven. And Revelation chapter 5, if you'll turn there in your Bibles, Revelation chapter 5 in verse 8, it says, When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation and you made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, everything in them say blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and they worshiped. You seen a picture of this? In Revelation chapter 14 in verse 1, the Bible says, I looked and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion 
With him were the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a sound from heaven like the sound of cascading waters, like the rumbling of loud thunder. And the sound I heard was like harpists playing on their harps. They sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Here we see in these pictures that the angels are gathered around in worship. In some translations it says it's a a myriad of angels, which is a countless number. That's why it says that there were thousands upon thousands and thousands and thousands more. It's because they can't count how many there are. The author of Hebrews tells us that this is a festive gathering. They're all bringing praise to God. And of course it's a festive gathering. This is in the presence of God Almighty. And they're celebrating the salvation of the peoples. They're celebrating the victory of the Lamb over the evil one. And we're in God's presence. Psalm chapter 2 verse 6 says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. In Psalm 48 verse 1 it says, The Lord is great and highly praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain rising splendidly is the joy of the whole earth. Mount Zion, the summit of Zaphon, is the city of the great king. It's going to be beyond our wildest dreams. It'll be paradise. It'll be like what God created and called good before sin entered into the world. But even better. In Revelation 21, in verse 9, this is what it says it's like. One of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The city had a massive high wall with 12 gates. Twelve angels were at the gates. The names of the 12 tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. The city wall had 12 foundations and the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city was laid out in a square, its length and width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length, width and height are equal. And he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to human measurement, which the angel used. The building material of its wall was jasper. The city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They'll bring the glory and honor of the nations into it and nothing unclean will ever enter it. 
nor anyone who does what's detestable or false, because only those written in the Lamb's book of life. He showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. And there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. His servants will worship him. They'll see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Woo! I mean, come on, guys. If you can't get excited about this, I can't help you, okay? I mean, this is what God has prepared for us. This will be a place of celebration. It's going to be a place where we will see him face to face. We won't have to wear a mask. We'll see him face to face. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be a place of celebration. But you also see that it's going to be a place of connection. In verse 23, he says, To the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect. And feeling connected is a major issue today. There are a lot of people that don't feel connected. And during this whole quarantine, it's, it's, it's exacerbated that. It's a need that many people don't feel is being met in their lives. They don't feel like they belong. But if we are here at Mount Zion, it's because we've been made to belong. Max Lucado tells the story of a lady that was teaching a Sunday school class, and she had a little girl named Barbara in her class. And Barbara was from a rough neighborhood, and she had a, a, a difficult upbringing and background. But she came to church every week, and she was in this lady's Sunday school class every week, but she never spoke a word. She uh, always kind of kept her head down and was just there every week, but silent. And then one Sunday, she was teaching the lesson, and it was all about heaven, and she was describing what heaven was like, kind of like I just read to you. And, and Barbara was listening with just rapt attention, and she was focused on every word that she was saying and just taking it all in and just mesmerized by this picture of heaven. And for the first time, little Barbara raised her hand to ask a question. And this was her question. Is heaven for girls like me? And the answer is yes. Heaven is for all types of people who have trusted in Jesus to save them from their sins. It's a place where we're connected to him. He says here in Hebrews 12 that we have come to Mount Zion. We have come, he says, to the assembly of the firstborn. And this assembly of the firstborn is the church, that we are connected to the body of Christ. The Bible tells us that Christ is the firstborn among many brethren, and we become the firstborn by faith in Christ. That, that designation, firstborn, means that we receive the inheritance, that we receive the double portion. That's what the firstborn receive, that we are heirs. And so the church is receiving the inheritance of the kingdom. And this description that the author of Hebrews gives us is it. This is the inheritance that we receive. 
And we're an assembly, he says, of the firstborn. We are gathered together for a purpose. And our purpose is to worship and to serve our king forever. And he says that our names are written in heaven. When you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's recorded in heaven. It is sealed, written in the blood of Christ. And it says that we are awaiting our redemption. We are waiting our reward. This is what we come to. He says that we, are, we have come to the judge, and we're connected to this judge also. He says that this judge is the God of all. And everyone must stand before this judge one day. And you'll either receive pardon or punishment based on your relationship with Christ. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you are forgiven and you are set free. But if you do not put your faith in Jesus, you receive the punishment for your sin, which is death. But we are able to come boldly the Bible says, before the throne of grace because of Christ who is our mediator. All of us have sinned against God, but Christ has paid the price in full on our behalf. And the judge has declared us not guilty. And so because of the sacrifice of Christ, we are reconciled to God. We are connected to God again. Isaiah says in Isaiah 62, verses 11 and 12, Look, the Lord has proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, Look, your salvation is coming. His wages are with him, and his reward accompanies him. And they'll be called the holy people, the Lord's redeemed. And you'll be called cared for, a city not deserted. He says we're going to be connected to this judge, reconciled to him again. And this is contrasted with the verses that immediately precede our passage this morning. If you look up in Hebrews chapter 12 up to verse 18, there we're, we're told, you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. Even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. He's, he's drawing their attention back to this Old Testament reference to Mount Sinai, where the people of God received the law. And they see him in his power and his authority. They see him in his holiness. And the people fell to their faces and they trembled before him. And rightly so. The description that you see in the book of Exodus is that this great cloud enveloped the mountain. And the mountain shook and his voice was like thunder and lightning on the mountain. There they received this law. And it's a, it's a picture of just how lost mankind really is. It's a picture of what sort of judgment that we're really due because of our sin. When we begin to understand just how holy God is, we realize just how far we fall short of the glory of God. And this was acutely realized at Mount Sinai as the holiness of God rested on the top of the mountain while the depravity of man was on display dancing around a golden calf at its base. 
And so it was no wonder that they begged that not another word be spoken. They couldn't bear it. But when you get to verse 22, he says, instead, you've come to Mount Zion. He says in verse 18, you've not come to this mountain. He says, instead, you have come to Mount Zion. And this place is much different. The same God is here, but instead, this is a festive gathering, and that's because we belong here now. We're able to come into the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. He says there at the end of verse 23 that we have come to the spirits of righteous people made perfect. That we're connected to those who have placed their faith in Jesus who have passed from this earth before. That includes your loved ones who were believers in Christ. These are the spirits of righteous people who were made perfect. Their spirits are in heaven now, awaiting the second coming of Christ because the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He told the thief of the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. And on the day of Jesus' return, our physical bodies will be resurrected as glorified bodies and united with our spirits And just as Christ was physically raised from the dead, we'll be raised just like unto him. 2 Corinthians 4.14 tells us, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. And we'll dwell with the Lord forever in this new heaven and this new earth. Behold, he's making all things new. And there will be connected with all of the saints throughout all of history, with people from every tribe and people and tongue and nation, a great cloud of witnesses that surround the throne. And it'll be a place of connection. The last thing that we see in the passage is that it's going to be a place of covenant. Yes, We're coming to streets of gold and pearly gates and the crystal sea. Yes, we're coming to loved ones who have gone before us, but most importantly, we've come to Jesus. You see what he says there in verse 24? And to Jesus. He's the only reason that we're here. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. This is the place where all the promises of the new covenant are realized. Psalm 125 verse 1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. And in Christ, we have a new covenant. This covenant is a fulfillment of the old covenant by Christ. We no longer have high priests because Jesus is our high priest. We no longer have sacrifices because Jesus is our sacrifice. Our trust and our hope is in him alone. If you look earlier in Hebrews chapter 9, in verse 24, this is what the Bible says. Christ did not enter a sanctuary that was made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. 
He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The author of Hebrews is drawing a comparison between these two covenants. He says that the blood of Abel was a a temporary sacrifice. It was a, a temporary covering. Genesis 4.4 tells us that Abel presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But here, Jesus is inaugurating a new covenant. And the blood of Jesus is an eternal sacrifice. The blood of Jesus covers all of our sin forevermore. It's not by any action that we do, but it's by faith in Jesus and what he did. The great preacher Adrian Rogers once said, I wouldn't trust the best 15 minutes I ever lived to get me into heaven. (laughs) But you can trust in the life and in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus to get you into heaven. Because what he tells us here is that there is a word that's spoken on this mountain as well. The Israelites begged that no further word be spoken on Mount Sinai. But we want to hear this word more and more and more. Because in verse 24 it says, We've come to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. This blood speaks a better word. This blood speaks on our behalf. And it calls us clean. It calls us forgiven. It calls us not guilty. It calls us righteous. It calls us sons and daughters. It calls us citizens of Zion. It calls us heirs of the kingdom of God. It calls us people of the new covenant. This is the mountain that we have come to. We are marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. And there are some here today who need to trust in this covenant with Jesus. The blood that speaks a better word for you. Today, there are some that recognize, just like they did at Sinai, that we are sinful. Woe is me. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. I need to be forgiven. And Jesus is the only way that we can receive this forgiveness. He is the mediator of a new covenant. And today, because he died on the cross and paid the price for your sins, because he rose from the dead on the third day to give us life and salvation and victory, today we can offer to you this free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. Today you can be forgiven, today you can be born again, today you can be made new, and today you can become one who receives this inheritance and who looks forward to this day that we'll join the Lord on Mount Zion. In a moment we're going to have a time of response and we're going to have leaders across the back, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, I'll be here at the front. And if this is a decision that you want to make in your heart today, to trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, I want to encourage you to move.
come to me, come to one of these people in the back, and to say to them, I want to make this decision in my heart today. And we want to walk you through that decision this morning. There may be those that are watching online even right now. And this is a decision that you want to make in your heart. I want to encourage you to grab your cell phone and text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. And that will give us an opportunity to, to text you and to talk with you about this decision. Those in the room, you can do the same thing as well if you're more comfortable texting in that way. But do not walk out of this place unsure about where you're going to spend eternity today. Christians today, as we think about this passage of Scripture, we see what awaits the people of God. We see the realization of the promises of God. It's a place of celebration. It's a place of connection. It's a place of the eternal covenant between God and man. And I'm telling you, I told you I've been waiting to preach this message for a month. I can't wait to get there. And I can't wait to tell other people how they can be there as well. Because there's so many people all over the world who don't have the hope, the excitement that I have this morning because they have not been born again. And so maybe we want to spend some time in your seat or here at this altar committing ourselves to be the people of Zion who would proclaim this good news to the ends of the earth. Let's stand with every head bowed and with every eye closed. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, for this message of hope. Lord, for Lord, your faithfulness to your promises. And that we look forward to the day that we will gather together in the new kingdom. God, I pray for those who are here this morning who have never made this decision in their life to trust in Jesus, to save them. God, today would be the day that they would turn and call on Jesus for salvation. God, for Christians today, Lord, that we would celebrate, Lord, what we have seen and what we long for and look forward to. But God, that it would spur within us and stir within us, Lord, a desire and a passion to tell others, to bring others with us as we head toward this eternal resting place. We ask it in Jesus' name.